Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with J.P. McDonald of JPM Partners. He is an accountant, and what real estate investor doesn't enjoy talking to accountants about taxes? So on this episode, we get into corporate structures, tax efficiencies, holding properties personally versus inside a corporation. We go through all of that stuff, and we talk about J.P.'s views just on real estate in general, some of the clients that he works with, how does he uh, advise them on real estate. What are his personal thoughts on real estate? We get it into it all on this particular episode. And if you're listening to this and you have been listening for a while, I have a bit of an update for you. For the first time, I guess, ever, we are going to do a class, a fast start real estate investor class in Florida. So we finally made a relationship in Florida where we like the people down there. They're a complete team. We are going to go down as a group of us to Florida. Some rockstar investors are coming with us. A big part of the rockstar team is going down there. So that is something brand new we were we are doing as part of the rockstar inner circle membership. We've probably been asked asked about Florida properties for over a decade. And we didn't have the team where we felt comfortable handing people off to. So now we do. And that's all changed. And that's the reason we're going down there. So we're going to look at income properties, single family homes, duplexes and quads in Florida. The particular partner that we have engaged with down there builds these as purpose built brand new rental properties in cities right across Florida. So this is the first time we're doing this. This is a brand new thing we're doing with Rockstar Inner Circle investors. And it's part of one of the benefits that you get as being a Rockstar Inner Circle member. So if you want to check out all the benefits of becoming a member, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member and hang out with a bunch of Canadians who are investing in real estate in the Golden Horseshoe area and now dipping our toe into Florida as well. That's it for the intro. Let's on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with JP McDonald, who's an accountant. So he has all the smart answers and Nick and I get to ask the questions about why we pay taxes. He's an accountant. I mean, he's boring yep. automatically. No, JP's, JP's, <laughs> JP's a rare, uh, I think a rare accountant. He, he, he doesn't. Why are other accountants boring? Cause I was just thinking how many people I, I offended that are listening. accountants that, well, there's multiple accountants <laughs> here at Rockstar. I think most accountants have a very unique way of breaking down numbers. I think accountants and engineers. So there we can just alienate it's everyone. I think people. accountants and engineers are just very logical when it comes to investing. They're just looking at the numbers, which as I say, that seems process driven. Ridiculous. Are you process driven? No, you're not. But aren't most, I think he's not like yeah. a regular accountant. That's a, that's one of the best comments I have. It's it, most people say. But don't you think that about coming? That mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not an accountant. I mean, I I should have been in construction. That's I just stumbled into accounting, and you still can be. What? Oh yeah. So how, <laughs> Andrea tells me that all the time. I how should, did you stumble into accounting? I went to university. To I went to college and university to play volleyball, and I had to do schooling, so I did business and ended up but doing isn't accounting. The accounting exam really hard. You know, I know multiple people. I didn't go to class at all. So, but then yes. at the end, you have to take that 
what's the name? There's a core. I don't know. Back then it was a CU fear. Now it's something else. Okay. But, but multiple people fail that multiple times. Yeah. And then after a certain amount of times, if you fail it, then you can't even do it anymore. Correct. Something like that. And you pass it on your first time. Uh, there's three, one of them I failed and then the other ones I just went through. Um, and so you're always good at math. Um, no, I used to play a game. I do it with my daughters now in grade three. My teacher would make me stand up and two people would stand up and she would say seven times three. And I didn't know this and I was getting killed. And then I went home and in grade three, I learned how to count by numbers. And from there it was just different. And then that was like life changing for me for, for understanding numbers and then business math, grade 11, that route was once I learned about interest in, in high school, it was like, get me out of the advanced classes and going into the general route. That was so multiplication tables to begin with. That was, yeah. Which I don't even know if they teach anymore, but I, that's funny you say that. Cause I always feel like I had a teacher that drilled that into me. And even now it kind of sticks with me. Like I know seven times three is 28. Yeah, close. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's always just kind of stuck with You're me. You're testing me, right? <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good if I knew that. So I, it's, but I've always, I feel like I've always benefited from that because when you're just doing calculations, even about properties and stuff, when you have some basic math in your head, when you're just looking at the return on investment or just a cash flow number or a multiple of a cash flow number, I don't know. You can. Just, you don't even think. It yeah, just yeah comes it's just like your a head. quick thing. It's yeah. like you move on to the next decision because you see the completely. Thing. And I and I always maybe took that for granted. Yeah. It's called mental math. My it, my kids are going through it right now at school. Oh, is that what <laughs> yeah. it's called now? Yeah, math. they teach them different strategies for mental math. Because I'm like, no, you don't do it like that. Here's the mental math I do. They're like, no, no, our teacher's not teaching us that way. And they teach different strategies. I'm like, I don't care. Just figure out the number. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember when my son got, when Aiden got to grade 11, I forget the way they're teaching division now is totally the way, a uh, different way than I did division. Yeah. So I couldn't even understand it. it. Took I had to relearn it. And then once I relearned it, I'm like, oh, okay, this kind of like works. My, but I like my way. I agree. Yeah, so I have to look up to two carry three. Yeah, that I, I couldn't understand. The way we did it was way it just different. Seemed very logical crazy. to me. Yeah, shit, maybe I'm logical. I had to look up long deficient on YouTube. Was this last two oh, years yeah. ago? Yeah, my because Alec came home and she came home with like long division homework, and I'm like. I totally forgot how to do this. Yeah, so I had to go, no, no, to go to they, YouTube and watch the video. Because they changed it. They changed it from the way that we learned. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to relearn it as well. Yeah. And you know what? There's an app now. I wish I knew the name of the app where uh, Aiden or Sienna were showing me. They take a picture of the math problem and the app will solve, give them the answer, but show them the steps to solve the problem. Yeah, are you, you showed that, that to me. Yeah, th you or Sienna showed that to me. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. blown away. Yeah, I'm like, cool. oh my God. You just take a picture of the question and it shows you how to do it. So uh, yeah, anyway, school's a mess. I remember just going through grade 11. They, my, my son's, I think it was grade 10 or 11, his math teacher bailed. So they had to put the careers teacher into math and this careers teacher didn't understand math. <laughs> so I had to basically step in. Yeah. And then I think when you got to grade 11 or grade 12, when it started to get back into calculus and I took calculus, but it was just a beyond me. I'm like, Aiden, yeah. actually we need to get someone else to talk to you now because I don't have six hours to relearn calculus here. Yep. This is sad because I took calculus in university. So, uh, that's I never did. I, yeah. Yeah. That's where I, I my closest was stats, oh, stats which I was loved. really good. I love stats. It was, was so amazing. interesting. Yeah. Stats was like one of the best university classes I ever yeah, took. Exactly. I remember we were figuring out the lottery and, uh, you know, just the odds and percentages of winning the lottery. And that made me never want to buy a lottery ticket for the rest of my life. I'm like, this is impossible. Yeah. I will just save my money. Yeah. I played Everyone. poker against you. You're not really good at it. 
Yeah, no, actually, that one one time with uh, with those guys, uh, I won't say their names, um, but I need I, I actually won, but I needed the cheat card. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need the card to know the hands of poker because I don't know the hands. Of... Dude, yeah. give me six months with poker and then let's talk. Okay. Don't give me six Done. games in my life. Okay, all right. I'm a yeah. good poker player for thirty minutes. Then I'm all in. You're bored here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here. yeah. all in. Let's yeah. go. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling this guy. Yeah, <laughs> um, fair enough. So you got into accounting, and I want to talk to you about some real estate stuff. So the the top things, if someone comes to you as a new real estate investor, what are the things that you like most about the tax efficiencies, or however you would describe them, when it comes to somebody owning real estate that's not their primary place of residence? Right. What are t- two or three things? I I go in corporation right away. You know, yeah, we learned that even on one property. Yeah, we learned that the problem is, is when you're, you know, use ourselves as examples. When when we first start, we don't have money, so we don't want to incorporate. We don't we don't want to spend money on anything. But I learned very quick that, okay, now I have a full time job and I have properties and I'm selling these properties and they're on me personally. And now my tax rate jumps through the roof because everything's on me personally when I'm selling property. So getting them into corporations up front, yes, when you do sell, you're going to pay high tax, but I can elect to take money back from that corporation anytime and start getting my refunds in the corporation. So that that was me right away saying, don't incorporate because I didn't want to pay and I didn't fully understand it. But if you just have one property, I guess just to push this back on this one second, because I'm interested yep. in your opinion. If you have one property and it's a student rental you're buying or a duplex and it earns a little bit of cash flow and you have a career that's paying, let's say, uh, slightly above average income in Canada, right. the only addition to your income tax in that situation is the income generated from any cash flow on that property. Right. So but it's not a huge burden. How old are you? Let's say I'm in my 20s. Well, that's that's that's, that's exactly that's you're seeing you the problem. Yeah, you can't predict. So someone who's 20 who has a good full-time job and goes and buys a property, that's a mover and shaker. Mm. They're going to be moving Okay, forward. so so when so you I'm project not planning, that person forward. Yeah, I'm not planning for for failure at that at that game. I'm okay, saying, I see what you're saying. You know, so you're saying that person's going to be rather financially successful if you were to bet on them. So by the time they're 30 or 40 or 50, their income's going to be pretty high and they're going to have this property stuck with their personal lives. Right. And if they sell it, now they're super high income because they're declaring the sale of that property. Now they have a lot of tax burden to deal with. Which they're going to have regardless. Remember, the corporation pays high tax. So mm-hmm. it's just I can... I'll always have a refund available in that corporation. If I say, you know what, I don't want to work this year. Then I can start pulling from the company to take money out and effectively okay. drop my interest. Okay, my, so I want to take rate. a year off of work. I'm switching yeah. between jobs. Okay, now take some income out of the corporation that has my real estate property or properties. Right. And my income personally is low. So whatever I pull out of the corp structure isn't taxed at a high rate. Right. Yeah. I, and then, and then yeah. you, you always look at the risk component as well. I mean, someone who's 20, when we all started, we had nothing, mm-hmm. you know, in our thirties, we I started my to Honda acquire. Civic. Exactly. I my Honda Civic. By the time you're 40, you know, then you have net worth. Uh, do you want all of these under you personally? I didn't. That's why we liquidated and we started buying everything in corporations mm-hmm. um, because we didn't want those individual risks on us 
I don't want to lose my business because of a rental property. So then to move it in late. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, you can sell it to the corporation though. I know you have to pay tax. Like if you do it later, you got to pay land transfer tax. You, you got to, you, you got to either sell it. And fair market value. So you'll have yeah. to, you, you can only sell it fair market value. So you'll have to pay capital gains to sell it into the corp. Well, you got to either sell it or you can roll it into a corporation. At fair market value. At fair market value. But the accountants and lawyers do that. Either way, if it's a place in Toronto and it's a million dollar roll, you got what sixty grand in in property tax, mm. so and possible capital gains. No, no, because you can defer the capital gains. You can defer the capital gains on a roll. Yes. Oh, you can. Yes. You when can. do I ultimately have to pay that capital? When you sell it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you can defer oh, it through a rollover. Just the accountants okay. and lawyers got to do it. It's it, it's a you know you pay five grand to the accountants and lawyers to get it in. You, okay, and I know well, you're not a banker and I won't hold you to any anything here specifically, but have you ever seen a bank push back on that because the title has changed because the mortgage came to the person personally? I guess they could call the mortgage due. Yeah, well, yeah the banks are just archaic. I mean, yeah. I, st I still don't understand the Canadian banking system. Yes. <laughs> Just, they, yeah, they, they, right. I'll never forget. Right. We're I, all in the same boat. You know what I mean? well, we, yes. we renewed a mortgage. Does anyone like the banks? <laughs> but we renewed a mortgage. I was, I, I was in the, I was in the one of the big five banks in the branch signing the documents because they had to. They brought me in for the renewal. After we had signed everything, we're going through it. This was uh, one that, uh, like my, we have personally, Diane and I have, and um, so after we signed everything, they're looking. You know, he's going through, he's through. He's like, oh. He goes, this is owned by a corporation now. <laughs> well, yeah. And he goes, oh, why'd you do that? Like for like, li I forget what he said, liability taxes. I forget yeah. what he said, but he like spat out an answer. Okay. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, yeah, and I just agreed with him. He's like, okay. So like the fact that it was, the mortgage was still in our names yep. and then it was owned by a corp because this was our, our old principal residence that we lived in. Right. And then we transferred to the corp after we moved out and all this stuff. They, but they, they just didn't care at all. Yeah, like I guess by the letter of the, that person, probably somewhere in the bank, I'm sure there's they some could rule care. where they maybe should care. But the like you're saying, they're so archaic with their systems. Nobody really knows what's going on. It's part of the frustration just dealing with banks that you never know the black and white answer really on anything. Everything. It's almost yeah. like you're going to court. Anything is a suggestion and they'll always have like a slightly different answer. Yeah. The, I mean, the, you qualify for the mortgage. The bank qualifies you. I just sign a joint and several. Look, we're signing on behalf of the corporation. Let's, I don't understand. They're 50 years behind on this. Mm -hmm. So, and, and sorry, what's a joint and several? Do you just signing, you're guaranteeing the loan personally. Yeah. Got they, it. they don't like, they don't like new corporations being formed. Yeah. Sure. I thought I used to say when I was signing that way that I was signing not on behalf. Was it joint and several? I thought you signed and then you said something fancy. And I remember thinking I was so cool <laughs> that I was, it was like joint. And on an offer, you would say ASO. So authorized signing officer. Was it that? On an offer. Yeah, I, re yeah, sale okay. I remember yeah. thinking, yeah, like it's not really me signing. I'm signing on behalf of my corp over here. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. So you like the corporate structure, but there's costs with the corporate structure. You have to how many corps do you just set up one corp or is it now we're getting too advanced? I, I just, I stick with one. I mean, uh, it, there's too many, there's too many corporations. People don't like accounting. They don't like tax. They don't like mess. When you start to have, I mean, I have, I think between Andrew and I, we have about 12 corporations. I thought you it's, said you didn't like corporations. I know. I didn't like a mess. I don't like corporations are a mess. By it's, the way, I have 12. Yeah. It's, it's very, very confusing. Yes. So for the average person. Do you have bank accounts that? for all these corps? Yes. yes. <laughs> it's, it's a mess. So, but we like to se separate all of our risks. Got it. You know, I don't want to lose my, my office space because 
Yeah, yeah. A tenant. So, um, so you're putting one property in? No, I, I go kind of wherever. Okay, whatever yeah. makes sense. Exactly. So, so you could have multiple single family homes in a corporation. Yep. But yep. maybe a small building is a corp by itself. Exactly. Um, okay, so use corporations and then. And you base that off liability amount, I would imagine. Is I, that right? I, yeah, I explain it to, I just educate the my clients and they make the decision. I just say, this is my train of thought. Yeah, and for your train of thought, you guys were basing it off the amount of liability, I would imagine, yeah. that that, pop, that property could potentially right. encounter. There is another, uh, okay, and I, and I agree with this largely. I guess I would just push back on this thinking and interested in your take on just get a lot of insurance. 100%, yeah, you can, but will it cover? Mm, yeah. That's So th- talk to your lawyer about all the possible scenarios you think you might ever see and right? see if that's enough insurance. Yeah, if you have a few single-family rentals, you probably put lump of whatever number you're, you're right. comfortable with. If you have a building, if you have commercial space, it all changes. If you have a 20-unit yeah. if, if building and yeah. something drastic were to happen. five 20-unit buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, so use corporations. Um, you're ultimately going to pay roughly the same tax burden, personal or corp. No, you could actually pay more. So someone who's starting out, who's making 70 grand, you know, they might be in the high twenties average tax rate. So 70 grand as a salary. As a salary. Yeah. So, I mean, if they go and make income in the corporation, they're going to pay 50, what, 52% tax. They're going to pay a high tax. Because that's passive business income. Exactly. It's 51 point something, 52. Right. Okay. So what we do is- That we, isn't obscene. Once we give problem. them a dividend out of the company though, yeah, the company brings the effective tax rate down to like 26%. So it's effectively, you own this property personally once we give you a dividend. Huh. That's how right? it works from a tax perspective. Exactly. So what we, and that's, that's what I'm saying. If you're on the flip side, let's say you are making over 125,000 dollar for dollar. What you're making is taxed at highest tax rate in the corporation. We want stuff trapped in there. You're paying high tax in there, but we have a refund coming in there. Whenever we pay a dividend out, we're getting a refund. That's what you're, the dividend you're considering the refund or the fact there's a that refundable you, dividend. The, tax. the fact yeah. that you did the dividend means there's a refund to the corp. There will be once I do a dividend. Yes. So I'm it. paying high tax in that corporation. In Got 10 it. years, I pay a dividend when I've retired. Mm-hmm. Then I start getting refunds in my corporation. 10 years, Tom, what's mm. the value of those refunds when he gets them 10 years from now? And fiat dollar bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking Christ. It's either pay it now and it's fully gone or you have a refund coming. Mm-hmm. So this is sounding like some RRSP. I can, whenever it's the, put what? your money inside an RRSP and defer taxes. Great. So when I retire and taxes are much higher, yeah, and the dollar's worth less. RSPs make sense though. They they Oh god. They I I, I don't hurting my soul. I don't like RSPs. I never have, but they Yeah, if you're going to defer taxes and have the government control your finances, then yeah, if you like people to control your life and your finances, then RSPs make a lot of sense. Right. For somebody like me who doesn't want the government to fucking touch anything that I've done through my time and labor, RSPs don't You know make what sense. I'd be interested I really to... just don't like them. But you're making a 50%, you know, you're you're making a huge refund up front. Sure. What's the opportunity cost of yeah, that, that refund? Because the fact, okay, great. I'm with you. And, and, and sorry, I like yeah, what you're saying. I'm yeah. not trying to. Uh, no, no, no. I, know. I just mean, yeah, great. I made this big tax advantage to move by right. not paying tax now through an RRSP, but I've just deferred it. Right. What am I going to pay in the future? Can anyone tell me? Right. 
I'm curious, you know, and what? then the value of those dollars based that I'm have to trap those dollars inside an RRSP where I can't invest in property. Mm-hmm. I can't really invest in a good Bitcoin thing. I can invest in a fund, but I don't really have it. So my dollars, what happens if they're debased through M2 growth to fucking shit? Right. And then by the time I take them out in the future, I'll still have to pay some tax, probably higher based on the debt burden that exists today. Mm-hmm. And the dollars are worth less. Just give me my money now. Let me take the fucking punishment right now. Let me suffer today. Right. Give me what's left as mine and then I will make it work. For but any financial thing. planner will tell you, look, you're going to make 30, 40% refund right now. Compound that with 6%. So Manage your own you'll portfolio. Out, you'll, so you'll outpace any M2 debasement because Completely. you're not paying the tax. Sure. So there's an argument there. I don't agree agree with it. But yeah, I can see the mathematical logic. Three times seven is 28. (laughs) (laughs) I can see the mathematical logic. I get it. Good memory. I I think the problem is the tax, the taxes. That's what makes us all. We should just, no, no, we should fix the problem at the beginning. The problem is the taxes. You don't pay the tax. Like it's logical. Like you don't pay the tax. You're already ahead that much money and let it compound. That should outpace any debasement. I just don't like having Listen, when we started this business, I had to sell RSPs to, to like fund this thing. And I never forget calling and I said, hey, can I sell 10,000 of my RSP, uh, RSPs? I think it was RBC. And they're like, no problem. We're going to withhold uh, this much tax. And I'm yep. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. I said, I'll, I do my taxes. I, I will decide how much the government gets. They're like, no, this is how it works. And then I said, well, how do I get to pay less tax now? And like, well, take out 5,000. I don't know if this is still the rule. <laughs> that was like the minimum. So every day yeah. I would call in for like a couple of weeks, not every day because I didn't have that much money, but like every couple of days for a few weeks, I would call and say, can I please take out 5,000? Because I think they only withheld 20%. Right. And that's the moment I decided this isn't even my money. I have to beg the government for my own money. And it just disturbed me in my soul. Yeah. And I can't do it anymore. There I don't, I don't, I don't have, have a single dollar of RRSPs anymore. No, I, actually, I, I, I did it. For, I did it last year for the first time. So I, I'm the same. I, we're, we're Wait so a heavy you in just real told estate. Me, you just told me how great it was. And now you don't have any, <laughs> I don't have, I, I don't have a choice. Like if, this is a three times seven equals 28 conversation. I, I, if I want to save money, I don't want to give government all my tax money in yeah. some situations. Oh, you'll give it to them later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But situation. you did it now just because of your income situation. Yeah. And we're not talking huge money. We're talking 25 grand here and there. Way to right. walk that back. Sure. It's, but it's a twelve thousand dollar refund right away. Yeah. Right. So that's a, do I do I do I lose my twelve grand or do I? Yeah. No, I, I I can argue that both ways, and I know my way logically and mathematically. People would just say this guy doesn't make any sense to me. I, I understand make, your. I make your, perfect sense to my, yeah. my own logic. Yeah. I don't. A friend of mine that's in kind of investments. He like was like I don't understand you don't have RESP for the ESPs for the kids I'm like no he's like yeah but the government will match they'll give you what is it five grand a year the maximum five, yeah. 500 500 bucks yeah Oh, for a up certain to, amount, up yeah. to five grand, maybe. Yeah, up, up is to it max. really just a maximum of five hundred bucks a year? Up, they'll do it. I think seven or eight times. It might have grown now, but five hundred yeah. bucks is decent. Yeah, but I was just like, I, but then the the money's locked in to what whatever it is, and then it, I know it grows tax free. But then it's like, but then they control it. And what if my kids Who don't? It? No, you do, uh, you can open it through Quest Trade, put it in. They'll match. They'll give you your five hundred bucks. Put your twenty five hundred in. Government gives you. 500 bucks. Yeah, but then... Go put it into a Bitcoin uh, ETF. ETF. Yeah, but for me to take... That's about the best you could do. But for me to take it out... No, it's not. I did the same thing and my Bitcoin went in half. (laughs) So (laughs) Why did you sell it? My RSPs... No, my RESP went in half. So... Oh, did you sell the Bitcoin? No. Well, your Bitcoin hasn't done anything then. (laughs) Your Bitcoin's protecting your purchasing power. (laughs) 
Bitcoin. And trust me, I look don't, at it and I'm like, it's Bitcoin now. I'm well, it's protecting, hey, you, want, it's you protecting you from purchasing more yeah. stuff yeah. so you don't spend it. Yeah, so you know. by cutting the value in half, yeah. it actually there helps you. you. Bitcoin said all time highs in all these bullshit currencies. Canada's on the list. It's at all times high, I think, in the Nigerian currency, the Turkish lira, the Egyptian pound. Share what you were looking at the other day. About Hold on, let currency? me finish. Well, I want to come back to that for a second, but no, about the Canadian cur- currency and oh, the Bitcoin okay. price. Yeah. But just to, to, to wrap this up with the RESP, the one thing I don't like about it is that the, it's always just these approved institutions, these approved, you know, what if my kid wants to do something else and I want that money to fund, right. they want to start a business and I want to fund it. Well, then I'm just going to be paying taxes and all that afterwards at that rate later. I'm like, I'm just going to control the money now mm-hmm. for the extra 500 bucks. I can use TFSA room, whatever the, whatever else I want, if I want sheltered growth or do anything else. We with sound it, so that. ridiculous. I mean, JP, is a rare accountant in that he sees both sides because I don't think most accountants, to your credit, I don't think most would see both sides. But just listening to me and you, Nick, would yeah. just sound like no, but for five hundred bucks. We bought a house. We bought we bought a, a place for for Brooke and Elise for their education. Yeah, oh that's, 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 that's that's what, what we did too. Yeah. When I was so in my twenties, that's 20s, why I we said, did it. Yeah, Andrew said it, so we said. We'll and do now the, the property price have gone so uh, so much. So okay, you can blame him for the Bitcoin, but then you got to give him credit for for the house. Yeah, I know. Yeah, (laughs) no, because we didn't even have to refinance that house. Like our, to your point, I guess our finances have changed, and I always bought that property. That property went up so much in value, even only with fifty percent ownership with Nick, it would pay for both my kids' education, right, and mine, and Nick's one property, Mm -hmm. but bought in our twenties. To be fair, so enough, like quite a bit of time passed. Yeah, generations. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) But hold on, share about the currency, because this is important, actually. What What, do I want to share and not share here? You're talking about the Bitcoin price? Well, the Bitcoin price in Canadian Mm. dollars. Okay, so yesterday we had a big realization because yesterday uh, the Bitcoin price came to about half. Yeah, to about half of the all-time high. And a bunch of us in the office and a couple people who own Bitcoin not here called me and we were having this discussion. We're like, holy shit, if Bitcoin goes back to the US dollar all-time high, which is it's still a double from here. So like, let's call that a far way away. But if it does... In Canadian dollars, they were doing the math because they were looking at the Canadian dollar balance at the halfway mark. And they're like, I'll be up between 15 and 20% versus the last time it was at that high. Because the Canadian and dollars dropped. Yeah. Because the Canadian dollar is, is That's crazy. the bet. And that, that and this difference. was a business owner mm-hmm. that was talking to me about this. They were in shock. It's like, yep. holy fuck. And, I, and we were all having that realization in the office yesterday, like the Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar. It, it, has, it made us have a currency conversation. Mm-hmm. We're like, holy shit, the Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar isn't really doing that great. No. So this is serving. And I know the price is down. I'm not trying to justify anything yeah. in that regard. But if it ever does go back to that price, you're actually not just back at your Canadian dollar all time high. Right. You're likely 15 to 20 percent ahead. Right. Do you think they will, I, because I've invested in it, I've pulled money from it. I I don't even know what I want to do with Bitcoin anymore because Sell it, I lost, it. because I lost so much in it. You, you want to love it. That's what it, you want to do. <laughs> seriously. Do you think the institutions yeah. will allow this? The, I, yeah. the world is run by the banks and yeah. by the BlackRock. No, but BlackRock is different. I mean, they're trying to get this going. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's they, they, argu- they, they could be an argument money. made saying they want to control it. But they want to make but without money without a doubt. Yeah. Yes, but go, finish what your thought is there. Are the banks, are the governments going to allow this to come through? My my gamble is no. Mm-hmm. That that's that, that's where I truly am now. Mm-hmm. I think that there's one 
on, um, you know, we should probably have Greg Foss back on here to talk about the futures market. Yeah. The only way there, I guess there's two ways I currently see how Bitcoin could be thwarted by the banking system or government institutions. I guess there's several ways. Maybe we should talk about them. One way is I don't fully understand these, these naked shorts and the futures market and how much pressure that can put on a spot Bitcoin price. From my current understanding that once these spot Bitcoin ETFs come into existence, there'll be enough liquidity at the spot price that the futures market will have a little bit less control. Right. But there is this dynamic between the futures market and the spot price that I don't fully understand that makes me a little bit little bit just wanting to know more. So there is some dynamic there that I don't like. The other argument that could be made for institutions thwarting Bitcoin would be that some, someone like BlackRock, who might have nefarious intentions, tries to accumulate so much Bitcoin that they really try to fork this thing and control Bitcoin because they have so much under their own umbrella. Right. The, the argument against that's pretty clear that the nodes, like there's a Bitcoin node sitting right here, the node operators are so distributed and decentralized that they wouldn't let Bitcoin uh, BlackRock do that. Right. So that argument to me is really not a huge threat that they would get so much control of Bitcoin under their umbrella that they could actually dictate the future of Bitcoin. My limited technical understanding of that says no, because node operators like myself will be like, fuck you, we are not going along with your plans. And that's a real beauty of Bitcoin. The other threat to me would be the government say, hey, JP, if you have any Bitcoin that's not on an exchange, you better fucking put it back on an exchange because we're going to say it's illegal to right. hold Bitcoin off an exchange. And then once it's on an exchange, they can tax the shit out of it. They which can, is what they're doing. That's which it looks like with the only way they're going to get it. Yeah, it looks like that could be the angle. But I guess in a retaliation to that, I like having some Bitcoin off the exchange to then if that ever came to fruition, I have options. Mm -hmm. I can say, do I want to put it back on or what are the ramifications if I don't? Is it like some tax? You know, I at least have a decision opportunity there. Whereas if I have it on the exchange, I have no decision decision opportunity. My my thinking is that they're not going to be able to control this, and that Bitcoin just lives outside the system to such a degree yep. that the American or Western financial institutions don't have as much control over this as they think they may. Right, but, but they I, they do have control over it now because they they are controlling it because they are disallowing it right now. What are they disallowing? In, in, yeah, in what, in what in, regard? In, in for, I mean, the SEC has not allowed this to come through. Oh, the ETF, <laughs> they, yeah. This is... Yeah, yeah. The, but that to me is... The US government, but that to the me reserves. is every sovereign individual's opportunity to buy some now and front run these fuckers. Right. Well, why isn't the reserve buying this? Who's the reserve? Federal. Oh, fuck. Thank God they're not buying this shit. Right? Yeah, I, I never want them to buy Bitcoin. But why not? Why they're going to go buy gold and they're going to back? Why why aren't they why aren't they buying Bitcoin? Well, why are they the same question? So you apply to gold. Why yeah. aren't they buying gold? Because they're not buying gold, but other countries are buying gold. Right. No, but the Fed sits on so much fucking gold. They already. sit on a bunch. Yeah. They are their but, majority owner globally. Yeah, but the other ones are catching up. And if you combine the other ones, they're now. Yeah, I just think they have a shit ton, so they don't really need to buy anymore. Mm -hmm. But Bitcoin. Maybe they're buying it. We don't know. Well, why did Canada, uh, why did Canada sell theirs? Oh, God. 
I don't know. Do you know that? <laughs> Canada, I think we do have 72 ounces or 67 ounces. Canada sold all their gold. This was a, what year now? It was a while ago now. Yeah. It was under Trudeau's watch. Not that he was to blame for this because let's face it, yeah. any prime minister. They sold it all. The rest yeah. of the world, other, other central banks are buying it. Canada sold, sold. theirs. Oh, we have yeah. nothing. I yeah. think in the UK, one guy in the early 2000s or so, Brown, George, whatever his name was, the UK prime minister, he sold all of theirs yeah. too. I, think I just think they get the tap. To me, the reason Canada sold their gold is they get the tap from the Federal Reserve, who controls everything, to, to talk to the Bank of Canada, who basically said influences the government, which I know is never supposed to be discussed, and says, hey, you know what, we need to keep the gold price down. Fucking throw some of yours on the market. We're not going to sell ours, but Canada, you do yours. Did you do our bidding for you? Why else would Canada sell its gold? Why would you sell an asset? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, we're-, we're To we're, balance the books. Oh God. Well, we sell all sorts of um, stuff to China, so yeah. that's a whole other but, thing. But I guess to your point, I, I can see where you're coming from, and I think that is probably the mainstream thinking for anyone who's getting into Bitcoin. I just think that how are you going to stop something where you have people in South America who are looking at it, when you have people in Nigeria and Kenya looking at it, when you have people like in El Salvador looking it at it, feels like you the have people all over the world who are outside the grasp of the IRS or the U.S. influence. I think it's too far gone. Yeah, it feels yeah. like the probability of that to go back how, you know, all this Greg talks about probabilities. And it's like, it feels like the probability of that has gone down a lot in the last few years, at least since, you know, I first, because I'm always playing devil's advocate too. And I look mm-hmm. at that and I, I was like, okay, let me play this out of my head. But it just feels like from where, you know, it started to this point, th- that probability has gone down a lot because they would have done it early. They would have acted in a different way earlier. They can still try to go like really heavy handed approach now. But it just feels like it's too far gone because there's just so many other options and adoption is picking up by more and more countries in different places. And it just feels like and then there's also a financial incentive for them, too, because if, you know, look, the world's run by money, you know, and a lot of crooked money and dirty business. And there's a lot of shit that happens around the world that's financially driven. That's like terrible stuff. And now that if they look at this as an opportunity, so a company like BlackRock that's involved in so much, it's like, hey, if we kind of get this thing up and running, can we, how much money can we make oh, without it being this? And yeah. then, you know, so then what's the, what's the policy pressure being put on because of that? Cause, cause now it looks like, it, like, to, I don't know how much you follow this stuff, but the SEC didn't didn't uh, appeal um, the grayscale uh, ruling, right? So it yep. looks like basically the ETFs are pretty much going to be approved, for, you know, sometime next year. I mean, anything but can maybe, happen. Well, that's, maybe, that's why it jumped, your, right? Your angle is saying that maybe that's all a bad thing. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, I mean, BlackRock, BlackRock. That's not why it jumped. That that the SEC not appealing was actually a few weeks ago before yeah. it jumped. Right. Oh, well, you're talking about this little pump that just happened the last few days? Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. I don't know if anybody really knows why that price jump happened, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You're the, the words leaking out that this is coming price starts to move. Yeah. But your biggest threat and just trying to understand your thinking is that it'll be controlled by governments. So kind of parties over games over upside is over. Yeah. And, and I mean, Bitcoin is not good for, for paper money, right? It's not right. good for anyone that tries right. to, yeah. For, like that, that's the simplest way. Yes. It's, it's not good for paper yeah. money. It's not good. This for changes, debt this money. changes control for the way the governments operate. Yeah, and they're going to try to hang on. Yeah, Yeah. so with with that line of thinking, JP, I agree. It's a major fucking threat to the money printer that they have. And because of that, everything's on the table. So, and I don't see them, the powers that be, I don't see them giving up 
their power. Why no, would they're, they they're going to fight. They're going to fight for it for yeah. sure. So I see this. And I'm here. I for see this, this five, here, 10 I'm, years. I'm yeah. You're going to write it out here for the show. 90. Bitcoin's out of hundred thousand. I told you, you know, that's interesting that you say, you know, it's interesting because this is, I think a good train of thought because a lot of people are having this thought. It's not so much that the Bitcoin dollar price of Bitcoin isn't really what I'm thinking about. It's that if you look at the credit based money system that we have now, they have to inflate this so much Mm -hmm. that it's not really Bitcoin for me that's going to change. It's the amount of fiat dollars in the system. So like if if Bitcoin's only at $100,000 by the time I'm 90, that would actually mean that they got their fiscal house in order, which I think is impossible. So to me, it's like, it's almost like- It's gonna be at 10 million. it's, It's honestly a bet. I know this is weird, but it's honestly a bet more on the stupidity of the debt-based credit money system right. and me just looking at it going, ah, these guys are stupid. They are never going to stop spending. So my purchasing power in this thing called Bitcoin is likely going to go up. What dollar price is next to it? Literally have no idea. Right. And Bitcoin's been div- diversifying, right? A lot of whales have left because the, the price has been pretty consistent for the last year. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is... If up by 100% means pretty consistent, then you're right. Well, sorry, but <laughs> it went down by 400%. So... <laughs> there we go. It's, <laughs> you know, 28. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So it's been pretty consistent since its last major drop. Sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, the number of wallets, yeah, yeah. the number of wallets on the network keeps, yeah, keeps yeah. growing. Right? Yeah. So, okay, but at a slower pace now, because always during these times, it's not the sexy thing. And then when their price starts moving, then everyone's like, oh my God, I should jump in. And then there's, you get that FOMO and then you get that final pump before it comes back down. The one thing, and I didn't expect us to talk about Bitcoin uh, as much, but I'm happy we are. Um, The one thing that I I haven't read this yet, but I have it printed out is that these guys, River put out a new report saying the Lightning Network grew by 1,212% in two years. Oh, cool. Um, and this is the kind of stuff that I'm interested in because it reminds me of my tech days, like from in the late 1990s, everybody was buying tech stocks. It was like pets.com. And I'll never forget a guy convinced me to get into millionaire.com. I don't even know if it went public, but they were like, you better buy millionaire.com because that's where all the millionaires are going to go. And I'm like, oh my God. I better buy some of that stock. I know that was like, that was the full sales pitch, right? So there was this madness in the late nineties and then the tech bubble burst in 2000, 2001. And you know, my Oracle stock went from, I'll never forget like $85 a share all the way down to $16. And I just watched it go down like all the way down. So like I'm very experienced in volatile rides here. JP. (laughs) (laughs) So I watched it go all the way down and then nobody would talk tech for like five years. Nobody, everybody thought tech was bullshit. The ship had sailed. Pets.com Super Bowl ad was stupid. And under the covers, I was working for Oracle and I saw how much database technology was being sold. And then I went to NetSuite that was using the database technology to put accounting into the cloud. Mm -hmm. At that time, all your accounting stuff was like locally held in the office. Which who who at that time thought if someone was going to take all their financials and put it all- This was what customers even said. I will never put my accounting data that's the lifeblood of my business intelligence into the internet. That's fucking bullshit and way too scary. I'll never do it. But behind the scenes, we saw people doing it. And I'll never forget. I saw that, but didn't get to kind of ride that wave because I didn't have two cents to rub together. So I didn't really get to invest yep. in NetSuite. I worked there, but I saw that. And then five years after I already saw people going in, then the stock price and the use, it starts to pump. So when I see lightning receipts reports saying, hey, the usage of the Bitcoin network on the lightning network is really going up in these percentages, that gets my attention 
because I'm like, oh, oh shit, sentiment is so bearish right now. Yes. That it's like, no one has it, it is so reminding me of that era between like 2001 and I would say 2005, where everybody was like, this is fucking a bullshit. And then Amazon just fucking rides like crazy. Facebook comes out and goes nuts. And there's like this next wave of tech adoption with the real players. And I have a sneaky suspicion, and please nobody bank on this. I don't have a crystal ball, do your own due diligence. But I have a sneaky suspicion when you're seeing usage stats like this ride on top of Bitcoin, and now no one's really talking about it. There's this other wave that nobody sees. Right. Let's, time will tell. If I'm 90 and it's whatever you said, then fucking, you know what, I'll, Buy you a fucking tequila. Huh? All right. Yeah. So um, can afford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. It's hard being loving, loving Bitcoin as much as you. I swear it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Hey, listen, when it pumps, though, get ready. Because if it if it does pump, I will be, I'm going to be texting I, you. I'm out. I'm, I cashed out. It's just my RESPs I left in. So no, really? Yeah, we had no choice, man. It's yeah. yeah it's, okay, well, if you no, that's a whole different situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so anything? Uh, back to uh, the, the topic: real estate. Anything else on using corporations, having your real estate in there? Anything else that's obviously mic, uh, missed by people, maybe from an estate planning point of view, or like something that most people miss when it comes to real estate? From a tax point of view, no, I, I mean, no. Some people want to bring on their kids as shareholders, things like that. I, we don't, I don't know. We don't even get into that because I have kids. You guys have kids. But can you do that at like eighteen or something? You, you, you can, but you essentially they essentially have to buy into the fair value. You, or you can do a freeze. But they buy into you know, the fair value of the equity in the property. Yeah, or or you would do a freeze and value the company and lock them into shares. The, it, what if just, you bore? Okay, so it just doesn't make sense. Why would you want your kids to own your properties? Why would you ever do that? I, 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 I don't want to pass on assets to the next generation. Yeah, but I believe Bill C two hundred eight just came out and changed that over the last year. I'm not a hundred percent. Don't act but, so smart with us. Uh, no, 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 no. It's, yeah, the the <laughs> I can't it, because it's three PO came out and did yeah. what? <laughs> it's yeah. transferring said. transferring of assets has become easier over the last year. Um, to oh, really? Bring, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I, I have to look into okay. it more. But, you know, I don't want my kids to own my assets because as my daughters get married, you know. Yeah. Sure, sure. Fair. I don't want their spouse yeah. to own my properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, and that, that's a really valid that's point. I mean, I know we, I have a couple of friends that their parents, because their parents had assets and yeah. well off, and they made their kids sign prenups because they're like, Hey, like it's, we don't know what's going to happen. And they just didn't want their estate exposed to the spouse. Yeah. But prenups are their see-through, you know, are they really? Yeah. People get prenups signed day of <laughs> at, at weddings. Like it's, you know, if, if so, I get a prenup, if I married into a family that's worth a hundred million and I had a prenup that I signed, I'm still going to go to a lawyer and try and get money. That's just oh. the way this works. Right. Oh. But the, so, so the prenup doesn't carry any weight? I'm not a lawyer, oh, okay. but I'm saying anything is still challengeable. Yeah, I got it. Right? I got it. So you ask any lawyer that fights against prenups, I'm sure they have victories. Okay. Um, and so the only other thing I wanted to uh, ask you about holding properties personally is let's say you're in your 40s and you have your first single family home rental property. Some of the tax, maybe depreciation or... I don't know, some of the expenses on the property could be used as a tax credit against your personal income. So in that yeah. situation, maybe it's good to have one property, get good insurance, get a lot of insurance on it. Yeah. So you're covered 
But maybe in that case, it's good from a tax point of view. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll answer this very easily. Do you have properties? Mm-hmm. Do you buy properties to lose money? I think so, one property we actually were trying to make it lose money. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the answer is no. You don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of CRA's biggest attacks. So high-income uh, earners going and buying properties, putting them on personally, and claiming yeah. losses. Yeah. Depreciate, CRA, depreciation. Well, depreciation can only bring a property to zero. Mm-hmm. So... You and can, then when you sell it, you got to pay. T- well, that's the recapture. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if it, right now, most properties are actually losing. If you're on variable, Yeah, all properties are pretty much losing. Mm-hmm. They're in the negatives. Mm-hmm. So we're not even t- taking CCA this year on most things. But if you're claiming losses on your properties, that just opens the door for CRA to come in and audit. So you're being, that is one of the CRA so maybe audits. you could do it once or twice, but you're not going to do it for 10 years in a row. Yeah. Out of, out of, there's four accounts. So if you're a corporation, there's HST. Okay. There's uh, payroll, there's income tax, and then you have personal tax. Out of all of those income tax, corporate income tax is audited the least in 20 years. Really? I've seen one, the one. That's interesting. So yeah. you can actually, huh. You know, I think they would go, they would well, for, more personally, you know what though? Personal income tax is responsible for like half of Canada's revenues. So I guess that does make sense. Corporate is like only like 18%. So if you have a property, personal income tax, that's yeah. not sales tax or anything. No, else personal income tax. It makes up half of Canada's revenue. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah. If, if you have, if you have one property and you held that personally or corporately, let's say it lost 10,000 reported both ways. I guarantee you audit through personal Corporate past. They won't even look at it. I'm not even kidding. Okay. So in in corporate, we see quite the argument for we see that things get pushed through under the corporate tax. Got it. Much much easier. And then if you have most of our clients have their own businesses, so own properties in other corporations, loaning, investing with pre-tax dollars from from your active companies just makes things so much easier. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so having any revenue you've earned from an active business, you're taking that money, buying real estate with pre-tax dollars in a business structure. Exactly. And what's that small, the first 500 grand of net pro, of net income? Is, um, is yeah, how, what's the first? 12, 12 and a half. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Actually, yeah. Canada doesn't sell that fact enough. Because no, when we tell people in the States, so we, like some of the Americans we know about that, they're like, what? They, they you don't have, you have a multi-million dollar gross revenue business. I mean, I, I know I don't have mm-hmm. to tell you this, Net income might be four hundred grand, and on that four hundred grand, you're paying twelve and a half percent. Like it's a good deal. Yeah, that's it's a great that's deal. cash. Leave yeah. it. Take out what you. That's well. That's what we do, right? So most of our clients take out what you need. Husband, wife. You know, wife has a corporation. She makes a couple hundred grand. We only give her forty forty thousand dollars out of the company. That becomes her RSP. Yeah, makes sense. Salary or dividends. You do salary? I, I do dividends. Dividends? Again, because All I... taxed. Isn't the tax break even basically versus salary? It, it is. It's actually it, right now. It, it changes every now and then depending on the dividend tax credits and yeah. and the the, the I, rates. I feel it, like they always get their tax. So right now, it, I believe it's it's more advantageous by a percent to, to go salary. But if you go take dividends, then you don't get... C, you, you still get old age security. But you don't, but you don't get, get CPP, CPP, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or you get for maybe a small amount, depending on how, you know, when you worked and contributed to it versus when I have my client, I tell my clients, don't, I don't want, when I'm retired, I'm going to get CPP and I'm going to have to give it right back. That's the way it's going to Why are you going to give it back? 
Because all the tax is just going to go right back to them. Mm. It's you, you, OAS, it's going to be the same clawback. They're just going to take back because you make too much money. Because so. you're anticipating mm. that you're going to have an income still, even uh, income streams at that time. Because yeah. of how we've invested, yes. And when you said they take out 40000 from the company, leave the rest in, that's their RRSP. That's not a lot to live on. The forty thousand, but a husband and wife, or so the or, husband's taking more, or the wife's taking one spouse yeah, is taking more. One spouse, you Got know, it. might yeah, make a okay. hundred grand. Clear. Yeah, yeah. The, the average. So family. together, they're taking hundred and forty. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if that's okay. actually you're taking forty, because if that's after tax, the money, the money that you're taking, yeah, it's like right? taking eighty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm generalizing here. And then we just have to play with, you know, are they investing in real estate? Mm-hmm. Then it becomes okay. How much do we have to declare? You know, because if that person's yeah. only taking 40, well, then the so banks aren't wor- lending to them. So you'll work with them to take the right amount personally so they qualify for an upcoming mortgage. Exactly. Or I'll just say right now, I'll just say go to B lender. Mm-hmm. They, they, so they must appreciate that when you take that time to break it out like that for them. Yeah, but again, it's because I can do. You're not a normal account. You're I can count by because I can count by twenty sevens. Three times seven is 28. Yeah. I get it, man. This is just in the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'll dissect a client in probably five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, so when you yeah. say that, you mean you judge them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to go back to this corporation thing with equity in the property. If you have a property with five hundred grand, yeah, and then you 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 borrow against it, mm-hmm. so you leverage against it. And sorry, with five hundred grand of equity, you've now put a, a mortgage on it. So you take that equity out, you go cash into the corp. You decide to take that out. I know there's tax. I, I get all this. When the kid buys into the corp, right. if you want them to. There's not much the value of that property. Like there's not much equity. Well, there is because there is there is value in it. Yeah, but yeah. There, is it just based on the difference between the market value and the actual and the mortgage on it? Not the mortgage, the fair value. So it would be what you bought it for. So it will be still what the court bought it for. Yeah, even yeah, because though- there's still always going to be tax, whether or not you mortgaged it up to the tits and took all the money, there's still going to be a tax. Yeah. No, I was just wondering because the value of the corp is actually less if they're buying into the debt as well. That's what I was wondering. Right. We're going to look at a, the purchase value of the property. It's a good gig, man, this government so, tax thing. It's a good gig. Yeah, anybody um, anybody that can be self-employed in, and have a small corporation in Canada. It's huge. It's, I mean, you, you like are a, just outside their system. Yeah, RSPs are gone. Yes. Your, your original thinking, like, that is, we are it's now It's almost moving. like everyone, whether they come out of school and get into a career, should start some side hustle business just for all of this stuff. Completely. Well, just think for every hundred bucks you make, you're keeping 87 and a half yeah. versus keeping, I mean, depending yeah. on the tax bracket, but it would be, I guess, what, anywhere from 75 to... And then if 85. you're making more yeah. than 500,000 in net income, you're doing well enough at that point that, you know, yeah, no, every dollar after 500,000 net income, if it's taxed at 26 or... I think it goes to 36. 30, yeah, or, it's it, but again, that's when we start playing with tax. Then there's other things then, you could be doing. Yeah, then we'll pay them a salary out of yeah. the company to and bring it down. you might have some properties and be able to... Use some tax efficiencies in yeah, that. The way. system is really great, you know, if you fall into it. If you're just T Ford employees, like, tough. it sucks. It sucks just because I'm trying to explain this to say, so, yeah, and I, 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 I can't agree. <laughs> I can't, it's close, but I can't. Yeah. It hurts me, but you're right. I was never told this so that, like, when you, when, you know, in our line of thinking, go to school, get good job. Then you realize your T4, the banks love you because of the T4, but from a tax efficiency point of view, your hands are tied. The government's got you. You have no opportunity. Yeah. Your tax first. We have to withhold the tax. Shit, if we don't submit our payroll taxes, oh like God. immediately, the, so who's calling a CRA or who is that that calls us? Yeah, yeah. One time it happened, we just started up the business and we didn't realize payroll taxes had to be submitted like we 10 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Holy yeah, shit, it was yeah. like the SWAT team was going to arrive at the 
we're a small little office in yeah. Burlington with like three employees. And I thought the federal government SWAT team was going to arrive. Yeah, on payroll tax. They're all over. Like like the, the HST, they'll let you not, not submit. I think and, it was that you, person left us and our mom was coming in to help. And there was like a one day gap. There. I don't know why. We've done it a couple of times where we've just kind of missed the deadline. And, you know, just whatever. Like this is over whatever 12 14 years it's been it was you know, fucking scary times. man and 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 you asked you asked do i pay salaries or dividends you know i do strategic things to get out of talking to cra hst i'll go to quick quick method with most of my clients because it gets me out of an hst audit. what's quick ever method? yeah it's, if you if you are real estate agents let's say they make 100 grand um long method is they collected thirteen thousand, and then they would have ITCs for all of their expenses. Sure. You have to add those all yep. up, the difference you give back. Or quick method, we just say, you collected 113, including the HST, times 0.88%, give it to the government. Who gave that calculation? They did? That's a quick that's, method. That's a quick method. They, yeah. they actually published that multiplication that's theirs, factor? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Accountants aren't allowed to use it because uh, we're able to figure out the math on it. Three times seven. But then yeah. you figure, you figure, do you figure out if there's a delta or something at the end of the year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So this is, if but for anybody. There's no, there's no penalties or anything. No, no. For anybody that has, you have to elect into this, into this method. So for anyone that doesn't have, isn't doing staging or have big costs, most realtors don't have expenses. Mm -hmm. You know, most consultants don't have expenses. So that method works for them and they'll probably save about four or five grand in most cases by selecting that and we get out of the HST. Because the you audit. don't have to true up if you accept quick method, whatever Be, that math Because is. whenever they audit you, they always audit you for the ITCs. They, I want to see the HST that you spent. Got it. And if well, you we, we're not claiming method, it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's no so, ITCs, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. What about professional corps? So like, you know, doctors, dentists, I mean, I know realtors now Same. can set that up, but they're getting the benefit of the small business tax credit as well. Yep. Right. Yeah, it's a real advantage in some professions if you're able to do that or, you know, people that are doing consultants and stuff like that. Huge. Yeah. yeah. So now you're, you know, you've done a lot of shit like real estate, your own business, commercial real estate. If anyone listening, what would you pass on to the younger JP about entrepreneurship in general from maybe a mindset that you need to have to because entrepreneurship to me, which is what you've gone through, right. is fucking holding on for the ride. Like you need to survive. Yeah. Right. Ups and downs. Um is there something that comes to mind that you would tell the younger JP or uh, a younger person? I was talking we just, we just talked about how great corps are, yeah. but corps usually mean you're going down the road of being an entrepreneur in some capacity. So what's the flip side that you would tell people to, you gotta be hungry. I mean, you can, you can't teach that. You know, mm -hmm. I remember one of the sayings that you always told me, Nick was, you know, fat dog don't hunt, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I became fat. Um, mm -hmm. Both. That was a guy at a mastermind meeting who told yeah. us that. Told you guys. Yeah. You know, I and, and I went through that. He said it with a, a Louisiana accent. And with a it leather was, hat with teeth in it. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. And he, dog don't hunt. Yeah, and he leaned back as he said it. And I looked yeah. over and go, fuck. But it was right? so was good. So it was so wise. impactful. Yeah. Like I have thought that saying so much and it's, it, it's battled me because yeah, I've, but I'm, I'm exhausted and mm. then I'll get energy and then I'm exhausted yeah. and you know, we've gone through it and I would say, what would I do going back? Yeah. I, you know, you would have to team up, you know, you would have to team up to, to make a move in this real estate. I think anybody who's in their mid twenties, you know, living at home, I wouldn't be able to afford a house. I would be teaming up with people. 
That's what Anthony did in our office. He, yeah. he, I don't he's know. teamed up, but he's in his 20s. You have no choice. Get in because yeah. if you don't get in, who cares? I, I was talking to, uh, you know, someone on my volleyball team. She's in her mid 20s, 24. She has a boyfriend. Buy a house. Who cares? Yeah. It's nope. an investment. If and you I guys should... break up, you still have an investment. Mm. You guys just go into it initially saying, okay, if we split, we sell. Yeah, no, Noha did it too. She's in her. And, and, and to be know. clear, I think the investment angle of it is the fact that you can put 20% down and you get the leverage. You can put 5% down. Sure. Okay. First time home buyer put five. So it's it's really the leverage component of real estate. It's not like real estate's this holy grail. It's the fact that it's one of the few things the average person can get into where the banks will lend them against so they can use leverage to outpace monetary debate. And they're getting priced. Like the, if I was starting out, oh, shit. I would be so priced out. It's not even yeah. funny. Same I mean, with us. My well, first four bedroom home was 268,000. Right. Mad at me, two car garage, four bedroom. And I thought I was getting ripped off. Yeah. I still think about those in, in Mississauga. There's the, those raised bungalows. I still think about these types of properties. A lot oh, of them are a lot of because they're beautiful. They're on like 75 foot lots. No, no. I'm, I'm talking the ones that are, are semis. Oh, so those, yeah, yeah. And there's there's one one double driveway in the middle. Yes. Right? And I know- With the doors right at the bottom? Yeah, the with the doors. Oh. So you just, the, the driveway at the bottom and then there's steps up to the next floor. And I'm just thinking like that- As a real estate investor, that's the- Yeah, but if you're starting out or you're, you know, with a you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, you know, a partner and you're, you guys are starting out, like you do that, you can live in one level mm-hmm. and then you just rent out that other level. And that gives you that, just that extra income from renting out one level. It gives you a foot in the door. And if you were going to go rent a condo or you're going to, you were going to just rent an apartment or, or play, uh, you know, a, a basement unit or something for yourself, you might be able to squeeze into one of those and then you, you get the ownership of the asset yeah. and start kind of building it that way. Yeah, I think I always younger, think about, I love so those properties. Those are my favorite I, ones. And ever. I do feel lucky that uh, Nick and I are brothers to be partners just because that's worked out for us because you, you said as an entrepreneur, you get exhausted, which is true. Yep. And sometimes when I'm exhausted, he'll be like, oh, fuck, you know, let's do this, this. So we kind of carry each other. Yep. And that has been a real advantage. Mm-hmm. And being family members, we trust each other when it comes to money and stuff like that. Right. So it's just. Yeah, there's never had to be. That, that's been like something I guess I took for granted. It's when, been a positive. Yeah. yeah that we probably discounted when we first started without a doubt yeah yeah especially the trust factor because you know i talked to some other entrepreneurs with different business owners and then there's been they've had financial issues with them where people have mm. you know taken things or you know right. and, and i'm just like oh wow yeah that doesn't even yeah. you know not having to not even having to think about that it's nice because it frees those mental cycles that you're not you don't have that in the back of your head you don't yep. even have to think about it you just worry yeah. about other stuff yeah. right yeah yeah but we, we, i mean we had side hustles throughout i was 24 27 I've always multiple jobs. Well, you still have side hustles if you look at it because you have your accounting practice, you're doing real estate investing. You're you're like everyone like that seems to be the way you need the side hustle. You can't be dependent on one thing in any avenue of your life, except for marriage. Um, if my yeah. wife's listening, she's actually right back there. So yeah. except for, I'll open the door and we'll say yeah. loudly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but it, you don't want to be dependent on one thing. You mm-hmm. want to try to build different, especially different in today's right? world. Uh, JP, two Saturdays ago, we had Jeff Booth speak at our event and he put up some robots that are basic, like humanoid level now, like especially with the dexterity of their fingers and stuff, like they can now finally pick up small screws and right. objects and stuff like that. And then somebody uh, who is a longtime client of Rockstar, who kind of works in that industry, just sent us that email saying, look at all the robotic stuff that's kind of happening. And one of the machines is flipping the French fries. Yeah, and it's, it's, called it, it's not the future anymore. Like this is now going into yeah. restaurants. And I'm like, 
holy shit, if you don't have multiple side hustles going forward, you can't even predict what the job market looks like five years from now because some of these robots are gonna take some of those entry-level jobs that everybody accepted as the path into making an income. And uh, you need to be flexible. And this is where with your daughters and our kid and everyone, it's like, what do you even tell them anymore? The only yeah, well, thing you could tell them is three times seven is 28. That's yeah. the only thing you can tell them. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just think. I'm, just, I'm sure, I'm sure well, our kids are privileged, so. Yeah, they're, they're fortunate, but yeah. I look at some of the headwinds that are facing them just in the economy. And, and, and honestly, when it comes to if the amount of debt that, listen, like one thing that freaks me out is that if you go to the Institute of International Finance, basic, I tried to sign up Rockstar for an account there. It's basically where all the bankers hang out. And I, I signed up Rockstar, I'm like Rockstar, we, listen, we would like to get the reports, please. And we got denied. Um, but every once in a while, if you go in Google searches and you search Institute of International Finance, global debt, one of their reports that they put out behind a paywall will get out onto Google Images and you can capture it. So one of their latest ones shows that there's about $400 trillion of global debt. If you add everybody's debt up and GDP is just under globally is like a hundred trillion, it's actually at less. Um, it's like 360 trillion in debt and like 80 trillion. The, the ratio is like four to one of debt to global GDP. And when you look at that, just from a math point of view, and you being a math guy, you're like, well, fuck. If they grow the problem. four at five and a half percent, if that debt grows and it's four times bigger than the GDP, well, the GDP better get a shit ton of productivity gains or the inflation required to bring the GDP artificially yeah. up is absolutely insane. Right. So we need to buy more, but we can't buy more because inflation's too high. Buy so more what? Buy more things to get to get global economy up. Correct. It, it, so the way the they're system gonna, is broke. Broke. So it's, the way they're going to solve it is yeah. stuff more dollars, yeah. which then robs everybody's savings. Yeah. Makes. I was at the store. Uh, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. We were up at Collingwood. Um, my my sister in law has a, a really happy announcement to, uh, to make. We're congratulating her, my brother in law as well. And uh, I decided it's a good time to buy some dark chocolate. So I go to the the uh, place in Blue Mountain. You know, and it's an expensive little chocolate store to begin with. But this still shocked me. I go in. I buy three pieces of dark chocolate almond bark. They're like little triangles, like size of less than my hand, three pieces, okay? And then I get four Halloween truffles. So they did have decorations on it. You know what the price was? Yeah, probably 50 bucks. Yeah, 50 bucks? Okay. Yeah. Yes, no, seriously. 35. $63. <laughs> Fucking almost had a heart attack. And I'm looking around, I was so embarrassed that I paid, like, you know when you're so embarrassed that like you still pay, but you're like, <laughs> yeah. I'm the I'm the moron. Yeah. Like, and I paid and I walked out like with the tail between no. my legs. I go, oh my, I just paid 63. I look in the bag, I go, did, did the guy put a yeah. piece of gold in there? Like, is there some yeah. Bitcoin it, in my bag? I've never looked at, I've never looked at receipts the way I am now. Same. Like last night, Subway, Subway sandwiches. I got two subs for my daughters, two chocolate milks and two small bags of chips, $36. No. 30, I, oh I remember eating this like 10 years ago like in university. 499 combo or something? Right? The last time I, I, I had, there's two things. When I went with the family to Chipotle, it was four of us. One was a kid's, one was a kid's meal yeah. and then three just burrito bowls or whatever. One burrito, two bowls, right? And it was $76. I think we had two drinks, not even four drinks because we're taking out to go. I'm like, I don't want one. It was 70 and I'm like, so this is like a family I was a, or this is, I, this is fast food. I was at Chipotle with a family, a mom and a, a son who clearly had never been to Chipotle before. And they asked for the son to get more meat on the Chipotle <laughs> bowl. Then she gets to the checkout. I felt so bad. She They put up the price for the Chipotle bowl with the extra meat. Like it's really expensive. She starts freaking out. She goes, why are you charging me that much? The price is that. And they said, well, you asked for the extra meat. 
And she's like, I'm paying that much for that little bit of extra meat. She starts pointing. Yeah. She was furious. And it's and I not was even kinda, real meat. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. Maybe at Chipotle, it's, yeah. it's actually real meat. But uh, one last example, a buddy of mine goes and gets, uh, he's having some people over. He gets 40 pieces, no, 60 thin slices of prosciutto. You know, prosciutto is super thin at the grocery store. 45 bucks. Wow. We used to get that like 12 bucks, you know, if that. So, it's, it's, anyway. it's, it's gone. Uh, things have been it's gone out of control. Out of when control. You got, but what, you got people but my that point on that four things. to one debt ratio yeah. is if we don't get the productivity gains because we can't make and buy more things because of what you just said. But the, the productivity, infl- this is where things in my head, I'm just like, well, the productivity gains with technology and robotics are coming. Could save the day. But that transition is like, it's, it's really like five to 10 years away. We have this problem yeah. right now. But then we need some, we need other things for people to be doing, which I think are going to exist. But then there has to be, like you said, this transition from people from what they're doing now to be productive in another capacity, because overall we should get more productivity because of the, the robotics technology. Correct. So we should get those gains. But, but when you but lose the transition those, from the people losing those jobs into something else is, is, is really. And, and on top of this, good. the federal government's revenue, we just said is half from personal income taxes. It's yeah. a whole bunch of jobs go away. What, now they're going to start taxing robots? Yeah, every hour that a robot runs, there's going to so be- So JP is going to have to do tax filings and ask people, hey, how many fucking robots do you have in there? <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm not even how joking. Many, yeah. I'm not even joking. Yeah. How many, I mean- how- But what are you talking about? That's already in place. There's going to be, because there's the carbon tax. So as the robots come in and use more electricity, they pay more carbon tax and they change the structure of the carbon tax. They're going to do that 100%. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like something like that's coming. I, I mean- The system, I don't think prices would come down- no, right. I mean, for no. prices to come down, the whole system starts but they collapsing. Can't, it can't come down. Otherwise, GDP shrinks. And when you have four to one, you can't so, have it come so down. Prices can't come down. So I, how, exact, how are interest rates going to come this down? This is exactly what Jeff Booth is talks about, that broke. you have an environment with productivity that prices should come down as things get cheaper to make. But we have a monetary system mm-hmm. that must increase because it's debt-based. Yeah. So you have two gigantic forces batting each other at the head. And this is why, JP, Bitcoin wins. <laughs> Interest rates can still come down. It just depends on where inflation is. So if inflation drops off, even if it stays at, at you know, 4%, interest rates can still come down to 3 They need negative real rates because right. that's what they need because of the, the, yeah. the GDP. They ratio. do negative real rates, financial repression on everybody for five years, but do it. they could do it good. Bring up inflation to 20%, bring rates up to 15%. Oh no, ten percent. Do twenty percent inflation. That's negative ten percent a year. Everyone suffers for a number Nomin- of time. Nominally, GDP will grow at twenty percent right. inflation. Nominally, GDP will grow even at high rates. Right. With that type of inflation. Well, in Argentina, who were we talking? Someone's in Argentina, and we were talking to them. They I, when they were there, they're like they were talking to people, and they're like, "Hey, what's you know? Everyone's out there spending money. Right. Like you know, the people are out there, and they're restaurants they're doing are busy, things. and and they're like, well, yeah, because our money we know is going to be worth so like we can't keep it for a month or two months because it's it, it drops in value so fast. So we're just out there spending it. So like the economy they're still living. lives, yeah. they're life, living, and life yeah. still goes on. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. People are hurting though. My, I mean, my clients like everybody. Oh gosh. Everybody's hurting. Yeah. And yeah, you have a front row seat. To I, it. I do. I get to see kind of you know, and like offering terms like, you know, it, it it's it's just it's bad. It's a different. Yeah. You know. But I mean, anyone listening, but, just so you know, we went through really bad times in the 90s as a family. And I can tell you, you come out of it. You just have to survive. Don't try to get too ego driven and brave. If you have to sell something to survive and raise some liquidity, even if you love the asset that you need to sell, yeah. sometimes you you have to sell. Yeah, we've we've sold. We've yeah, liquidated like that's, stuff. That's, that's yeah, how that's part you of the beast. live. That's how yeah. you survive. Like survive to play the game. Don't be so ego driven that you don't raise enough liquidity when you need it. Yeah. You know, act early. 
early. And if anyone wants to buy an office space, let me know. <laughs> yeah, Burlington office space. Reach out to JP. And who Now's is, a good time. It's it, really, yeah. yeah. It's been a year. It's been a, uh, over a year now. So it's, uh, the, it's nothing is moving. It's it, uh, what about real estate for you guys? Is it moving or it's yeah. moving? It's slower, but it is moving. There's different like, properties. There's investment. I mean, there are. I mean, I know you said before there's properties that don't cash flow. There's there's still a lot of properties that do cash flow, but it, it, they're you know like people are it's multiple unit ones, right? right. Or um, student Just properties. There's you know so there are different properties, but, but the the single family home when people are putting the minimum amount of down payment and they're getting a mortgage at whatever six and a half percent and stuff. Yeah, those ones are, are the whole reason that we we all kind of focused on the starter home market, whether it was a student rental or a duplex or a single family home, is that when shit hits the fan, those are still the properties if you need to unload, you can. Right. Whereas some of the other categories, as we all know, gets a little tougher. Yep. So that's kind of why we've always, and people may have made fun of us, JP, just so you know, they're like, why aren't you guys doing this and that? We're like, because we saw in the 90s, the starter home, it's not perfect because prices can still fluctuate wildly, but if you need to sell it, yeah. you can still, it is to me the most liquid piece of real estate. If we can call real estate liquid, which I know is maybe a stretch. You could have a year ago. Yeah, but even a starter home today, those are the, if you take the luxury market, industrial, commercial, whatever, the starter residential is still yeah, the category still the that's moving the most. Right. But uh, JP, who's your ideal client? Like, can you just map it out? Who do you like working with right now? And who? Pretty much we're helping everyone. So it's, you so know. So individuals and people with small businesses, yeah, entrepreneurs. If, if you're big, then I don't want you. That's and how would you define big? Like a, somebody who owns a medium sized <laughs> Pretty, pretty matter of fact. <laughs> so like. It, I just can't service you. It's, it's you know. So you serve accounting needs of in, uh, individuals and small business owners would that be the best way exactly to yeah okay. small business but if you're looking at family trust things like that it's it's just outside of my wheelhouse okay um small is is where we that's go cool. so you yeah. know where you are good and that's what it, that took a on. very long time i know you know it's that figuring that model out was but that's what we have and so the individual yeah and a small business owner is your client yep and the best place to find you i guess the the url uh, jp Yo, my, my URL, uh, JPM, I don't even know. JPM, well, this is great. Okay, JP. JPM, maybe we'll just say three <laughs> times seven equals 28. And if you Google that up on the internet, three you'll times find seven. Well, I, don't, I, don't look, dot com. I don't look at my- You should uh, get three times seven equals 28.com. I know math. <laughs> okay, we'll link to it. JP, we'll link to it. Yeah, I'll say JPM it in the jpmpartners.ca. jpmpartners.ca? Yeah. Okay. I don't go on my website. So that's where some, is there a way to reach you from that website? Yeah. They okay. can call me. They can. JPMpartners.ca. Yeah. Dude, thank you for doing this. Always Thanks for having me. Pleasure chatting. Yeah. We'll have to talk about Bitcoin when you come back next time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, Thanks guys. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with JP. His website is jpmpartners.ca. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, with Rockstar Inner Circle members, we are now opening up Florida as an option for investors. It's not, it wasn't an option before, we just didn't have the right partner who could handle all aspects of things that investors needed. Now we do. We have someone who builds purpose-built rental properties in Florida. They handle the property management. They are the developer themselves, so we're getting first access to brand new builds who are built as single family homes, duplexes and quads in multiple cities across Florida. And it's one of the benefits that Rockstar Inner Circle members get. They get access to this when they're a member. You can check out becoming a member yourself by seeing all the benefits of becoming a Rockstar Inner Circle member by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.